In the name of the true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, this morning we pick up right where we left off last Sunday. Jesus, remember, he's returned to his hometown synagogue. The hometown heroes received with open arms and everybody in the congregation that helped raise him. Remember I said it was like his babysitter and soccer coach and best friends were there in the synagogue. They all loved the gracious words that were coming from his mouth until they didn't. By the end of the sermon, we just heard that the congregation wants to throw him off the side of a cliff. Not a great sermon review. Preachers of the gospel, beware. Now the congregation, they change their attitude. We might, why, why do they do this? Well, when Jesus highlights two stories in which the prophets Elijah and Elisha came to the aid of Gentiles and not to the people of Israel. So if Jesus is emphasizing these two stories in his first sermon back in his hometown, well, that means that his ministry, the way he understands what he's about, is going to be extending God's mercy and reach God's salvation beyond the bounds of Israel, beyond the bounds of Nazareth. Jesus has come to bring life to all people, to the whole world. So why is the home team furious? I think it's fundamentally about fear. It's about fear. God's friendship is imagined to be a limited commodity. There's only so much to go around. So if Jesus starts talking about spreading the promises of God to everyone, we'll have to lose some of that favor that belongs to us, won't we? It's a model of scarcity. It's a model of scarcity. But remember a couple of weeks ago when we saw Jesus at that first sign in John's gospel turn the water into gallons and gallons of extraordinary wine? And that was the first sign of the kingdom of God. When it seems like there's not enough to go around, Jesus opens the door to show that in God's economy, there is enough to go around. There are profit shares for everyone in God's economy. And remember when the crowds later in the story will come out into the desert to listen to his gracious words, and it becomes dinner time, and Jesus' friends get scared, they're afraid, there's not going to be enough food for everyone, so they say, send them back home. And Jesus says, show me what you have in your pockets. A couple of fish, a few pieces of bread, but there are throngs of people. And how does the story end? There is food left over in baskets to feed the world. That's God's economy, an economy of abundance, food left over, vats of wine overflowing. But we know that we live in a world of fear, a world of fear. So when someone starts talking about abundant life for all people, you know, even our well-known enemies, in Jesus' day, those were the Samaritans. That's why he tells the story of the Good Samaritan, right? But abundant life for all people, even our enemies. Well, our world wants to throw people like that off a cliff. 
And it's because we're afraid. We're afraid that we're not going to have enough. You know, if we don't have the home team advantage, the inside track on God's love, a little bit of extra love and favor, the inclusion of others might mean that we don't have quite the advantage, not the same kind of love. I think it's helpful for us as the church here this morning and the church gathered throughout the world who stand before this gospel text. It's amazing to think about that each Sunday morning, Christians across the world standing before the same text, being confronted with Jesus's challenge and his mercy. It's important for us to ask, do we treat God's love as if it might run out? Are we envious when others benefit? Are we filled with fury because we fear another's gain is our loss? And when we find ourselves fearful and furious, let's be honest, we all find ourselves fearful and furious, when we do, do we ask ourselves, is that really who I want to be? In Fyodor Dostoevsky's novel, The Brothers Karamazov, a character recounts a Russian folktale that paints for us a picture of this kind of uh, fury and fear. I think it resonates. It's intense, but I think it resonates. Once upon a time, there was a peasant woman, and a very wicked woman she was. And she died and did not leave a single good deed behind. The devils caught her and plunged her into the lake of fire. So her guardian angel stood and wondered what good deeds of hers that he could remember and tell to God. Well, the guardian angel says, she once pulled up an onion in her garden, said he, and gave it to a beggar woman. And God answered, well, you take that onion then, hold it out to her in the lake, and let her take hold and be pulled out. And if you can pull her out of the lake, let her come to paradise. But if the onion breaks, then the woman must stay where she is. The angel ran to the woman and held out the onion to her. Come, said he, catch hold and I'll pull you out. He began cautiously pulling her out and he had just pulled her right out. When the other sinners in the lake, seeing how she was being drawn out, began catching hold of her so as to be pulled out with her. But she was a very wicked woman, and she began kicking them. I'm to be pulled out. Not you. It's my onion. Not yours. As soon as she said that, the onion broke, and the woman fell into the lake. So the angel wept and went away. Because she fears that God's amazing grace is a limited commodity, it's a scarce resource that can only be stretched so far, because she thinks everyone in the lake is her rival, she stays locked up in fear that there's not enough mercy to go around. So each person in the lake becomes a threat rather than a fellow sufferer longing for the abundant life of the kingdom. And that's what we are, fellow sufferers, longing for the abundant kingdom of God. 
And the good news, friends, is that God wants to lift everyone into his saving embrace, bring everyone into the covenant of love. But our fear too often leads to fury and God's gracious economy is frustrated. That's why we need grace. And we don't have to remain locked up in fear and fury. Our reading from Corinthians this morning, Paul speaks of a different way of being in the world. It's a way that prizes love above all else. This love, Paul says, is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not seek its own interest. It's not quick-tempered. It does not rejoice in wrongdoings. This way of love is not filled with fear that God's blessing is going to run out. This way of love is not filled with fury at the good fortune of others, but instead it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And if we want to live in this world as a people whose lives have been made different by Jesus Christ, we should pray that God fill us with this greatest of gifts, the love that seeks not its own good while stepping over others, but instead rejoices in the good of others. This is the love that Jesus went to the cross to share with the whole world, to share with us. It's the love that conquers fear and fury. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.